It's really exciting to have you guys here. I have some notes here to keep me on track, keep us on track. Okay, that looks really short. That's not what I'm after. No, seriously, it uh, didn't quite translate into a PDF correctly. Alrighty. So, for those of you who don't know, this is Jylan and Nathan. And um, if, you are, if you are a visitor with us, welcome. I hope you just really encounter the Spirit of God here today. And the one thing I want to say at the outset before we hear from you guys is that this is not just a slide night for people who've been away doing their thing. Listen for what the Holy Spirit has got for you today. You know, when people go off, like you represented us in a, in a sense, as well as following what God was putting on your heart. But listen for what God might be saying to you. You know, just as I listen for how he might want to encourage me through the testimony of what's being shared, all right? We're all about telling our stories here. If we learn to tell our story well, people encounter Jesus. Yeah? Cool. So you went on a YWAM DTS in Japan. Yes. <laughs> yes, we've only been back a few weeks. So yeah. We're still, we pretty much adjust now, but it's been, it has been... It, an adjustment coming back, reverse culture shock for sure. Yeah, and they do sort of warn that, warn you about that up front, don't they? But you never quite know what it's going to be like. Um, so the first part of a DTS for have, has everybody here heard of YWAM, Youth with a Mission, more or less? Got some idea? So um, discipleship training school starts off with what they call the lecture phase. Um, now, although it's called a lecture phase, I don't imagine it's just all about sitting in a classroom doing assignments. Can you describe a bit more fully what life looks like during that part of the DTS? Do you want to start? <laughs> yeah, come on, mate. Um, so the lecture phase was three months of the whole DTS, and it just covered various topics about what it is to be a missionary and what it is to know God and to spread the gospel um, and we covered different topics every week from like character and nature of God to like the, in, the whole Bible in context and just like our own identity and just yeah just growing deeper in our intimacy with God and our relationship with God um, and then essentially like building our own character our own Christ-like character through that and then knowing okay well what is then our role in the nations? Like, what is God's heart for the nations and what is our part in it? Mm. Mm. That's good. So there's a lot of really great knowledge in there. And in, in some ways, discipleship... I mean, Caroline's been um, talking... What, what was the phrase that Caroline's been telling us the last few weeks, if you've been here, about discipleship? I won't get it right either. It's okay, because I won't get it right either. But let's have a crack. Walk like Jesus. Flow with the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, I mean, really, it's, it's a kind of a very... 
I've heard um, the phrase greenhouse about this sort of a thing, where it's like being put in a greenhouse, where it's like the atmosphere of growth is intensified. Is that a fair sort of description? Yeah, I definitely think... I think it was really great to go in with a solid foundation because I feel like a lot of the topics we may have obviously known already or explored already, but it's just like God wanted to take us. It it was almost like the opposite. Instead of all these things being added to us, it was like God was stripping away um, a lot of the things we didn't need to carry anymore and really honing in what was important. Um, So I think that was really good as a couple and individually. Um, and a lot of it is obviously putting it into practice, so doing a lot of practical things, like we had classes five days a week, but then as a community, like uh, like because living in community is important, you're also worshipping together, you're interceding together for the nations and f- um, for the base um, that you're living in and for each other, um, and you're also doing things like ministry in the community um, as well. Mm. So there's like a really holistic um, practice of all the sort of spiritual practices that bring about that formation in Christ, yeah? So physical, like serving on base, things like that, you... Yeah, we all had our little roles, our little jobs. So, like, I was on dinner cleanup. Nathan was on the toilets. So maybe he's a good person. <laughs> I won't volunteer. <laughs> um, and, like, once a week we'd have a base cleaning day. So we all get in and do it all together. And just everything you're doing is essentially for everyone else. Like, it's mm. just putting into practice the service of Jesus. Yeah. So you guys came in as a married couple who, um, like, mum's not doing that stuff for you anymore. I imagine there's probably a few people who arrive at the DTS and get a bit of a rude shock when they discover they have to grow up and play their part. Yeah, I feel like being a married couple definitely gave us some benefits. um, Because usually for a DTS, it's a lot of young people, like 18, 19-year-olds. But our group in particular, we had a lot of uh, maturity in the individuals we had. Um, youngest was 19, oldest was 31 and so we had a good range but a lot of people there just already had a deep foundation Mm. and we could all just build upon that each other, support each other and like that's what it is with community living as well, it's like you've got to be so conscious of everyone else around you and just like upholding them above yourself and looking after their needs above your own and and, like just really putting that into action as well in day-to-day life. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, well, before we go on to the outreach phase, if I could just ask each of you to share maybe um, if there was any, like, significant aha moment or, or, like, a light bulb moment in that learning more about who you are in Christ and your identity and all those things. Um, yeah, I think just maybe it would be encouraging to hear because we all... You know, you can fall into the trap of, we don't think it out loud, but sometimes we feel like we've arrived and then God suddenly slaps us with something. I mean, it's like... Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, well, for me, there was a topic we covered called prayer and intimacy. Uh, so we had a, a teacher from uh, Brisbane come over and teach us that one. But there was an aspect of it where he was talking about the, the power of persevering in prayer. 
and he gave his own life examples of what that actually looks like. And for me, like, the amount of times I've prayed and it's kind of a one and done, just like, oh, God, please do this for me, well, and then you just, oh, I hope that works, we'll find out. But he was describing a type of prayer that is just persistent until it happens, just like constant, like, yeah. like I want this to happen, God, okay, I'm going to keep praying until it happens. Yeah. And he gave testimonies of his own life and his own experience where he's had to do that over years of constantly praying every day, praying for something to happen. Mm. And then eventually, like, it does happen. Mm. Like, God is just so faithful with that. He doesn't want us to give up. He wants us to keep pursuing and keep going after his promises, even if we yeah, don't right. see it. Yeah. Mm. So we're not, we're not talking about just sort of um, glib desires there, like, oh, I'd really like to have a new Triumph Tiger motorbike, for those of you who aren't... <laughs> Yeah, I use that because I and, I and I can use that because God does fulfill even some of our. <laughs> but no, um, seriously though, yeah, it's learning to persist and be, I guess, dependent. Learning dependence. Yeah. What? How about you, John? Um, that also, that week also like similar um, hit me a lot. I think it's hard to pinpoint um, just one thing, but I think for me personally, a big thing that. I kind of mentioned how I really felt like God was stripping away a lot um, and bringing me deeper into, I guess, what is important in him. And I feel like a big thing for me was just um, him really highlighting what life of abidance is really like in him and like taking away what we should be doing, what we think it should look like of purpose and calling which I very much get stuck into like I like to feel like I'm making a difference I like to feel like oh this is what God is doing but it's actually his first and foremost calling is of abidance and being with him that's all he wants Mm. Um, and that was really challenging for me Um, and it still is but I think like you know one of the lecturers used the image of just um of Mary and Martha and just her going and sitting at the feet of Jesus um, instead of going and like preparing food and things like that. And Jesus was like, she is exactly where she needs to be. Like, this is all I ask of you to be at my feet. That's the only thing that is important. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's a sermon and stuff. <laughs> wow, it is. That's a good one though. Yeah. Very good. Cool. All right, well, we, we'll probably keep moving a bit. but So the second part of the DTS is the outreach phase. And um, so you guys went initially to Vietnam and then back to Japan, both cultures in which, um, you know, very different to our own. So um, what does outreach then look like in those contexts? Maybe, you know, talk about... Both, because I don't imagine Vietnam and Japan are the same either. No, they were very different. And so the outreach was two months of the DTS, and we spent the first month of that in Vietnam. Um, Vietnam is a communist nation where evangelising is actually illegal. Mm. Um, So spreading the gospel was definitely a challenge over there. Um, But our role in that was actually to reach the Christian communities in there and really just encourage them in what they're doing um, and to just like establish 
God's hope and God's like that He sees them and He's yeah. proud of the work that they're doing in that country. Yeah. So, so what does the church um, look like at the moment in Vietnam? Um, it's kind of underground. I mean, churches have to be registered to the government, and so what they're actually allowed to do is somewhat restricted. Um, but they are allowed to function. They're just not allowed to evangelize, so they can't necessarily grow their community. Yeah. Um, but the the Christians that we met over there have found very unique ways to still bring people in. Like they'll go off and just just tell their life, mm. tell their life story, and include God in that, but make it in a way that's not like you need Jesus. Make it in a way is like, hey, I have this. You should get this too. Mm. Um, and they're just bold like that. They're just out on the streets telling everyone, hey, my life is so different to yours and this is why yeah, right. I have hope and this is yeah. why. Mm. Sounds a lot like Second Peter, I think it is. Doesn't it? Who's, who's a bit scared of evangelising? That's a horrible word, isn't it? <laughs> we, it's, it's actually a sad thing that in, in the church and as believers we can come to either be scared of it or even to you know, have like this real horrible feeling towards evangelizing. Evangel, an evangelist was um, in an original context, don't preach Dave, but it was actually someone who just carried good news. And there were evangelists who ran throughout the Roman Empire to carry good news. So it was a, absolutely a borrowed term from within the culture. And if we've got good news, it's easy to tell your story. I think we were definitely challenged, like in Vietnam too, with evangelism. Because even, it's so funny, like the way that the Christians speak over there, it's so much more bold than us. Mm-hmm. Like you'd go in, like we went into a lot of homes to pray because like obviously it can't be out in the open. Mm. Um, but for pray families, and not all of them were Christian and like, you know, some of these these leaders would take us in and be like, oh, this family isn't Christian but pray that they will find Jesus right in front of their faces. <laughs> and I was just like, it shocked me. But it's like, but everyone is just hungry for hope. And yeah. like it's, they just know that that's, the only answer and I don't know it just I feel like that would not fly here the way that it did over there but it was interesting but you never know right? <laughs> um and Japan was a s- very different um Vietnam was a lot more open a lot more uh I guess that you know people would walk up to you off the street and just be like what are you doing here like tell me about yourself like you know, where are you from? Whereas Japan is a lot more reserved. It's a lot more closed off in that way. And so when we got back and we did um, ministry in Japan, it looked a lot different uh, because we were also going into places that teams or a lot of ministries hadn't been before, which was kind of cool because, you know, as a team, it was a lot of like paving the road for future teams and creating Mm. connections for like things as they progress. Um, so a lot of that was just really encouraging the churches that were already in those areas. We went up to North Japan and a lot of the Christian people that we had connections with were just so blessed. They just kept saying, like, we've been praying for God to move here and, the, like, he's sent you here. He specifically, as we prayed as a team, like, he gave us the exact locations he wanted us to go and so it 
was very much encouraging for them to just know that God saw them. Mm. And uh, so I feel like a lot of that was just empowering the Japanese people to uh, know that God sees them, know that God is moving in those places um, and create relationships. Mm. Yeah. It's like the vision of the man from Macedonia, isn't it? God knows where he needs us to go. That's so cool. So what kind of... um, so were there any specific challenges that you faced as a team or as individuals, maybe, um, during those outreach phase, those opportunities? Uh, I would say, like, right from the get-go and throughout the entire thing, we were pretty much met head-on with spiritual warfare. Wow. <laughs> um, and it looked very different in each place. Um, Vietnam was a lot more in-your-face, very open, um, you know, lots of just very obvious things, um, I, I guess. And as a team, like, you know, I guess you could just feel feel the enemy working in a tangible way there. And it was just very, like, heavy um, as a team, you know, like nightmares, you know, things like that. Yeah, People yeah. who um, yeah. maybe hadn't experienced warfare in that way, it's a lot more, I guess, common, like, when you're in places like that. And then... Japan, however, was a lot more subtle, a lot more internal, because yeah. um, a lot of the strongholds in in Japan is a lot of loneliness, a lot of isolation and despair and things like that. So it felt very different in each place, but it was very strong in each place. Yeah, um, yeah in Japan specifically, like we had team members who would suddenly just have like suicidal thoughts and just like fall into depression and like where is this coming from like mm. and like that's just what's over japan like yeah. it's in everyone over there and it's it's such a struggle wow. for them to combat that on a daily basis and we got to feel it and see it and yeah it really just put on our hearts like the need that is over there and yeah it just opens a door to what god is doing over there as well mm. Yeah, isn't that an interesting thing? Because that's it's kind of like exactly what um, Paul writes in one of his letters where he says, um, you know, there's a lot of opposition, a lot of opposition, and a great opportunity for ministry has opened. <laughs> it's like the two things go hand in hand. Um, yeah, wow, okay. And uh, I do wonder, you know, sometimes if we just aren't looking for the spiritual opposition around us here in Australia um, because it's not quite so overt. There's not, like, demonic idols on the street corners and things, but they're still here. Um, yeah, so um, so would, um, so you didn't get to do... Like, I remember when I was young and we would have teams come from YWAM to our church in Hornsby do things like that and they would do like dramas on the street and things like that and I think if I a couple of your newsletters there was a couple of photos of doing dramatic things you want to just tell us a bit about yeah we did a few skits and a few um just dramas and things mainly at churches not out in the streets right yeah um and we had the opportunity to preach at a lot of churches as well like us students got Mm. to do that um, and then other ministry opportunities, like in Vietnam, we went to an orphanage, got to partner with them. I went to a rehab centre and got to minister to the men at that group and uh, just see so many lives come to Christ through that. 
Awesome. That's wonderful. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, now I heard one story about one of the things that you were sharing with me, I think, when we were just chatting uh, a week or two ago about someone in Japan who you saw through their journey of faith. Do you want to yeah. tell us um, Yeah, I think I was saying that this is, like, for me, the biggest testimony because uh, when we got there, so every Wednesday night we had a community dinner night um, with the base and, you know, anyone in that area could was free to come. And there was one Japanese um, guy that had kind of become Christian um, before we got there and he invited a friend because he was like, oh, there's all these foreigners, like, come and learn English because he really wanted to come to Australia. And I think he's planning to next year. But um, So he just started coming because he wanted to practice. And it started a lot of good conversations. He just started coming every week. And he just, just kept coming because he felt a difference there. Mm. And... Before we left on outreach, he it st- sparked a lot of conversations of like, like seeing his friend, um, he was about to get baptized, be like, how, how can you be Christian and be Japanese? Like that is a big, big thing for Japanese. They think it's a Western religion. It doesn't have anything to do with their culture when really that's a lie. Um, and so it sparked a lot of conversation for him, a lot of questions, a lot of... Um, and having a safe place for people to speak into that and for him to explore that. Um, but we left for outreach. And then when we got back, during that time, he got invited to church by his friend. And the week that he went, the sermon really spoke to him and hit his heart. And he actually gave his life to Christ. Um, and like that... I don't know, I think going into Japan, we really thought like, oh, it's going to be really slow. It's just a lot about building relationship, mm. connection, you know. But we actually were so surprised at even the churches in around where we were living. Like, a lot of young people are coming to Christ and there is stuff moving there. And to see that firsthand. So then when we got back, he was like, oh, before you all finish, I want to get baptized because you're a part of my story. And so we got to see him from the beginning and see him get baptized. And Nathan and I were just chatting about it. And we were like, you know what, Lord, even if that was the only thing that came out of us going, it was worth it. Like, it's the one person that makes it so worth it. So, yeah. That's so good. That's, that's really exciting. And that is, like, that's what we need to be all about as well. It's like, it doesn't just happen over in foreign countries. It's like, we are here to have that impact in our own city amongst our own friends and connections. And I think the more we hear the stories and and um, just have that God speak on our lips, you know, that we develop an expectation. And, yeah, so good, so good. All righty. Look, one last thing, because um, you actually committed... Time and money and and yourselves gave your whole selves into this for six months. And I just thought, you know, we haven't got unlimited time here today, but I just wanted to ask you, and I'll ask um, for both of you, um, if you had just one opportunity to preach, you know, just just to communicate one thing and impart 
into us here. Um, you know, you can kind of pretend like, you know, this is like, I've got one, one shot and that's it. Um, you know, what would that be? Um, I'll start because that was essentially going to be a part of that, <laughs> that testimony. Um, there was our last week of classes, we had a guy visiting from Taiwan and he spoke on missions and, you know, it's very practical. You kind of do a lot of practical stuff when you're in class and we sat down and we read in Matthew, um, the parable of the lost sheep. And while we were reading that, uh, it's like, I've read that so many times and I've seen like how that Jesus comes and like leaves the 99 to save the one, to save me. But when I was reading it this time around, it's like God had flipped that and he was actually saying like, come where I am and reach the one. And it was actually... It was almost like he was speaking like, you're a part of the 99 now. You're a part of that group. Now come and follow me and do as I do. So I feel like um, I was just reflecting a lot on that. And, I mean, that doesn't mean you have to go all the way to Japan. That can be here. That can be wherever it is. Um, But maybe it is. Maybe it is going to Japan or going to America or whatever. I, I don't know. But... I, I just really feel like as a church body in this day and age, like the one is so worth it. And it says in the Bible, like heaven cheers when just one person gives their life to Christ. And I just feel like as a body, we need to be actually doing community, encouraging each other, but then going and like following where Jesus is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'll leave it there. Amen. That's good. Um, for me it's been more like just what I've learnt out of this experience as well Um, like going over to Japan going to Vietnam just seeing so much that God is doing there like the effect that that's had on me and how it's just like shown me that God can do so much more than I thought he could Mm, and Like, we're taught something during the lecture phase. It's called the belief tree. And essentially, what you believe is based on your worldview. And so if your worldview is limited to just one thing, then your beliefs are limited. And through that, your actions and your behaviours are limited. Um, But by expanding your worldview, by, like, going to Japan, by seeing all the miracles that God is doing, but actually through testimony, hearing all the stories, all these unbelievable things that God is doing. It expands your own belief system. God can actually do this impossible thing. And like, I'm not saying you need to go to all these other countries to do it, but I'm just saying don't be restricted by what's around us. Um, Embrace what's happening in the world and use it to allow God to show you more, show you what he is capable of doing. Like, Mm. don't limit what he can do. Yeah. and yeah, through us, we just got to witness so much of just where he's at and what he's doing and all the people he's bringing to, to him. And like, there is no limit. And he's constantly working. So good. All right. So good. Very good. Would you like to just lead us 
in in um, prayer that we will all pray together for the fruitfulness of the time that you invested there, but also what you now carry from that um, in how you've grown and um, what you can then, I guess, how how you can function as part of the body, but what you can impart for all of us out of that as well. Would you like to just, yeah. Yeah, and I just, um, before I pray too, I I just kind of want to put it out there like we... You know, we're still processing a lot. We're still filtering through everything that we have gone through and what God has spoken. Um, But I think, you know, I think like when you were talking last week, Caroline, about just kind of, um, you know, coming together and actually like um, as a community. And um, I, I feel like we're very much praying about what is next about whether we do go back to Japan, whether we stay, whatever that timing looks like. Um, So I just encourage you as a body to get behind us in prayer as well, just in that season, because it um, is definitely an interesting time right now for us, um, but exciting too. Um, But yeah, so keep us in uh, your thoughts while we're kind of sifting through all of that um, as well. But yeah... Um, Father, I just thank you so much that we can just be amongst family, to be home, um, to be all together, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we can share, we can share our hearts and we can just um, openly share parts of our experience, even through um, our memories or testimonies or whatever that may be. I thank you for the work that you are doing in Japan, and I thank you that we could be a part of that. I thank you um, that seeds were sown during our six months there, and I thank you for the staff that are still there um, watering those seeds, and I really pray, Lord, that you continue your work in Japan. Lord, there is a movement happening in that place, so I really um, ask that you would be putting the nations on people's hearts to pray for, Lord, that... um, even though we are here, even if we don't feel called to go over, we can still intercede, we can still pray, we can still lift those um, places up to you. And I just really ask that as a body of Christ that we are doing that, that we are standing in prayer for the nation. So I really just lift up Japan to you. I lift up that time and the people there. And I thank you how much you love each and every single person there. Um, You see them as their unique individual Um, even though there's millions of them, Lord, you know them intimately, and I just thank you that you are pursuing each one of them. Yeah, yeah, I just thank you for this time, and I thank you uh, for everything that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.